0: Some of the biggest players in AI reported earnings last week. Microsoft reported earnings right after the market closed, and we did have revenue-beating analyst estimates. But they didn't see their shares jump on the good news. But the stock is falling in after-hours trading. Google's parent company Alphabet saw its shares fall after it missed revenue expectations.
1: Alphabet parent of Google is down severely. Alphabet less detail on really what contribution AI will have, particularly on search.
0: We're in the midst of earning season for some of the biggest tech stocks, and falling shares in some of these companies suggest that investors may be disappointed by what these companies can deliver with AI.
1: There are real questions about the business, about how these new technologies, exciting as they are, cool as they are, are going to make these companies money.
0: That's my colleague, Max Chafkin, who reports on these companies.
1: What I think people are starting to realize is that, sure, you can be very bought in into the promise of AI, but even so, it's gonna be a slog.
0: On today's episode, we dig into the expectations for AI versus the reality why these companies are failing to meet some investors' hopes, and what it would take for these technologies to catch up to their promise. I'm your host, Sarah Holder, and this is Big Take from Bloomberg News.
1: My name is Max Chafkin. I am a senior reporter with Bloomberg Businessweek, and I cover technology, particularly kind of the uh, intersection of technology and power. And I also co-host the Elon, Inc. podcast.
0: I know you've written a lot about sort of hype cycles in Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and and so interested to talk about a new hype cycle today. Artificial intelligence has been making headlines for the supposedly vast potential of the technology. What kinds of expectations have technology leaders set about what they're going to do with this AI capacity?
1: It's so funny. You say the expectations, I mean, because the expectations are wild, like the craziest things you can possibly imagine. So Sam Altman, who is the founder and CEO of OpenAI, has talked about what his company is doing as, you know, basically a modern day, you know, Oppenheimer. This is like as significant, as potentially destructive as the atom bomb. It's a big part of why I'm here today uh, and why we've been here in the past.
0: Here's OpenAI CEO Sam Altman speaking before Congress in May of last year.
1: I think if this technology goes wrong, it can go quite wrong. Uh, and we want to be vocal about that. We want to work with the government to prevent that from happening. What's interesting to me about these warnings. And I think it's worth taking you know any warning about technology seriously. Technologies can have unintended consequences, but they also serve, of course, as a sales pitch. Because if you're going around saying that, hey, this thing I'm building is so effective, it could take over the world. It could render human beings irrelevant. That is another way of saying like the thing I'm building works. And in technology, you know, over my career, I feel like a question like nobody asks enough is like, does it work? And one of the reasons is because Um, Technologists are very good at kind of obscuring that question and raising other questions, including does this technology potentially destroy the world?
0: So even the terrifying expectations are inherently potentially overly positive um, about the technology itself.
1: Absolutely. You know, on the Tesla earnings call, my favorite moment was when Elon Musk is sort of spinning this story about Tesla's AI investments. He's saying Optimus, their robot, is going to be the greatest product of all time, better than any product in human history, and it's actually going to, like, usher in a world of unlimited productivity. Essentially, it's going to be like in the movie WALL-E. We can all just, like, sit back and let the robots do all our work. And while he's saying this, another executive on the Tesla call cuts in and says, um... Uh, the, the only issue is we have not found an actual use for these robots to do where that you know, it works. And you got to remember, like, a lot of the people who buy software are not – worried about apocalyptic scenarios. They're just trying to figure out, is the return on investment for this going to be worth it? If I'm a chief technology officer or chief information officer for a large company, I don't think I'm mostly thinking about, like, what's the long-term societal impact of this giant check I'm going to write, Microsoft or OpenAI? I'm thinking, is it going to return? Am I going to look like a moron to my CEO for writing this check?
0: Right. So Microsoft, Alphabet, Apple, Meta have all been kind of riding high on these expectations. But can you talk about what we saw in earnings this past week?
1: All right. So just take a step back for a second. There was kind of a hangover after the pandemic, right, where a lot of technology companies Had invested huge amounts of money, sort of assuming that the growth that was happening, because we're all sitting at home um, doing nothing but like, you know, scrolling our phones was going to go on forever. And they all kind of, in one way or another, went into a dip. And when OpenAI um, introduced ChatGPT, it essentially set the world on fire because it promised a new platform, a new thing to get people excited about. And all the companies that you mentioned, in one way or another, have investments in AI. And what's happened is, I'd say, just, you know, a reality check, essentially. Google reported... Earnings. It was not even like it was that bad. It just seems like the the view from investors is like, whoa, this stuff is going to take longer and be harder than maybe we had hoped. And, you know, with Google, they were until very recently the market leader in AI. And then OpenAI comes out, kind of steals a step on them. There's this kind of sudden like, oh, no, like maybe there's another player. Um, But Google still has, like, all of these very impressive pieces of AI software. But the thing is that as impressive as they are, they're all in one way or another kind of research projects. They're not really commercial projects yet. And what is a commercial product is, you know, search advertising, this business that is getting mature. And this is kind of a dynamic with most of the big tech companies where Google, Facebook, um, an Apple kind of dependent on a single mature or maybe a little long in the tooth product. Um Microsoft actually, you know Microsoft reported earnings and did not see its stock. Crash down in the same with the same kind of velocity as Google's. And that's because I think Microsoft is actually in the best position here because Microsoft has a way to turn the AI into actual dollars, both because it's the market leader in selling uh, cloud computing for AI. And Microsoft also has been very aggressively incorporating AI software in the form of OpenAI, which it has a partnership with, into its office suite and charging actual money for it.
0: This is the question at the heart of the disconnect between tech companies and investors. Can these companies make money off of the technology? And can they do it before investors sour on the project entirely?
1: I mean, I think it's tough to read into any small stock movement and try to see something big about the future. Because in a lot of cases... It's not necessarily that, oh, like Google stock went down. That doesn't mean that their AI doesn't work. It means two things. It means one is that... Investors maybe overestimated how quickly they were going to be able to turn this technology into business, and also it says something about their legacy businesses, right? Like like search ads and their ability to continue to make money and their ability to cut costs. I do think the company that's worth paying the most attention to in this world is Microsoft. Microsoft actually has a plan, like like there's a real clear sort of way that they are going to make money off of this. Um, in contrast, right to Facebook and Google and. What we're seeing with their business is that it's growing. It's it's very good. It's just not totally clear how fast it's going to grow or how big it's going to be. Large language models, which is what most of the stuff that everyone's excited about is, they cost a lot of money to make. And every time you update them, they cost a lot of money. Every time you ask ChatGPT, write an angry letter to a friend in the style of Chaucer or like some fun (laughs) thing, you're costing Microsoft money um, and way more money. Or if you ask them, if you ask them like a, a Google query, hey, what's the best pizza restaurant in New York or something, that costs a lot more money to answer than it does when you Google it. And (laughs) there's not like an easy way to monetize it. Like there's not gonna be a zillion little ads for pizza next to it. So, So I think there's like real questions, hard questions about the business.
0: When we return, one company in the AI space, NVIDIA, has bucked this trend. We dig into what makes NVIDIA different, and we'll get into what this all says about the maturity of the AI industry. Welcome back. I'm discussing the AI industry with my colleague, Business Week reporter and editor, Max Chafkin. So Microsoft has this potential. We're going to see how it realizes it. Other companies are also kind of trying to um, make strides in in the AI space. But NVIDIA seems to be one of the few that's actually making money on AI right now. What's going right for NVIDIA?
1: First of all, this is a company that... All of these companies need. They make these GPUs that the entire industry depends on. A GPU is a graphical processing unit. You can use a CPU, a central processing unit. That's the kind of chip that your computer is running on. Um, but it goes a lot slower and it uses a lot more power. So if you're using GPUs, you can do AI training much more efficiently and you can sort of answer AI queries more efficiently. Um, when you look at how the other big like the, the big companies that are trying to develop AI all they think about is how do we how do we have enough chip capacity. Elon Musk is developing his sort of like his own like AI computing solution and it's called Dojo and on Tesla's earnings he said Well, Dojo is a a real long shot. It may not pay off, which, again, if Elon Musk says somebody's not going to pay off, then like that that means that there's a real chance that it won't pay off because he's a very optimistic guy. And he said, you know, he's still betting on NVIDIA. Everybody is. And so in certain ways with NVIDIA, it doesn't really matter at least for now, like how big a business AI is, because all these companies have decided they're in on the mania. There's this thought, you know, in a gold rush, you know, it's better to sell, sell shovels than, you know, try to like pan for gold. They need NVIDIA's shovels. And NVIDIA is like, right, selling the equipment for this mania. And so that's always going to be a good business.
0: I love how you put it that NVIDIA is selling shovels in a gold rush.
1: You know, funnily enough, you need GPUs to mine crypto. So like they rode that boom and now they've they've kind of moved on to this next one.
0: I'm interested in what this conversation we're having about kind of the the winners and the losers and the people in the middle of the race in the AI sphere says about where we are in the life cycle of the AI industry.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I've been thinking, I've written a lot about self-driving cars. And um, and because of that, I'm I'm probably more skeptical uh, or at least a little bit more cautious about these large language models. If you cast your mind back to 2012 um, or 2013 or 2014, um, the conversation around cars was very similar. It was like, look at these things. They're like almost as good as a human. And we kind of see that a similar conversation happening with large language models where you ask them a question, you ask it to say, you can ask it to describe yourself, right? You ask it like who is Max Chaffkin? And it and I haven't done this in a while, but right, it it makes up a lot of stuff, right? It's like pretty good. It's it's close, but it's not quite right. It's got you know, it's got me going to a different college, and I went to so on. Um, or or these like beautiful photorealistic um images. Um, and and then you look closely, it's got six fingers. If you were talking to a human, you could just be like, hey, um artist. Actually, human beings have five fingers. So in the future, just make the hands with five. But AI, these AI models, you cannot have that conversation with them. They don't understand what a finger is. They don't understand what a hand is. And no one knows, just like with the cars, no one knows what it's going to take to cross that bridge. There are people, us smart people think, to really cross that bridge you would need an entirely new technology. And that could mean new winners and new losers and, you know, and so on, new new chips. Um, and the other thing is, you know, cost really matters. Like Waymo right now, the the, the Google Drivers Car Company is, is doing all these tests in Phoenix and in other localities. And in a lot of ways, like their cars are matching up to human drivers. But, um, Except in a very important way, they're not, which is that these cars have, um, you know, potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars of sensors on them, and they're powered by armies of PhDs. And your Uber is a, you know, $25,000 Corolla and a gig worker. And you have some of the same dynamics with these large language models where, like, wow, like, this, sa- this is almost as good as somebody in a call center could do on customer service. But, but we're not actually sure that it costs less than hiring a, a human being to do customer service.
0: We saw a lot of AI companies pop up, begin to open their products to the public. Are we on the brink of seeing contraction in the AI industry?
1: I think you know it's it's very hard to like call a bubble and like if you go back to if you like you go back to other example like crypto right like people were saying it was a bubble like for years um before it became apparent so it's it's a little hard to know how valuable these things are because it seems like they may be everywhere you know so the sort of like worst case scenario here is consumers just get kind of used to this but they're not willing to pay for it because there are versions of it everywhere they're not that different from one another and no one no one thinks like oh i you know like do, have you seen like microsoft's latest spell check like just no one cares because it's cuz all spell checks are the same and that would be the that would be the kind of worst case scenario although again not necessarily a bad scenario for nvidia because it's still going to they're all going to be still running these 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 um these models and buying chips and so on it's just that Maybe, as it turns out, you just need to make a bunch of investments in AI to continue selling the same software that you've been selling.
0: Well, thank you so much, Max. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks for listening to Big Take. I'm Sarah Holder. If you have a moment to rate and review the show, we'd appreciate it. It helps other listeners find us. This episode was produced by Alex Ugeura and Naomi Shavin. Our senior producers are Naomi Shaven and Jilda DeCarly. It was edited by Caitlin Kenny. It was fact checked by Adriana Tapia. It was mixed by Alex Ugiura. We get editorial direction from Elizabeth Ponso. Nicole Beamsterbore is our executive producer. Sage Bauman is Bloomberg's head of podcasts. We'll be back tomorrow.